Another extraordinary April. That's the largest number of frosts in April for at least the last six decades. Challenging times for farmers and growers. Broad beans collapse. Same would be true for field beans. So what can we expect for the coming bank holiday? We're looking at a big change in Atlantic weather systems sweeping in. Haven't seen one of these for a while. It's Friday the 30th of April and you're listening to Weathersnap from the Met Office. Hello, I'm Claire Nazir and this is Weathersnap, the insider's guide to the week's weather brought to you direct from Met Office HQ. This time last year on Weathersnap, we were talking about the fact that April had been particularly sunny and very warm. Fast forward 12 months and while April has been exceptionally sunny, that's where the similarities end. Here's Mike Kendon of the Met Office National Climate Information Centre. If we cast a mind back last year, We had this exceptionally sunny April. It was the sunniest April on record for the UK um, in series that go back to 1919. We also actually had the sunniest May on record last year and the sunniest spring on record by a very wide margin, in fact, for the UK. Remarkably, last year, uh, the spring was sunnier than all but three summers on record in the last 100 years, which is quite remarkable. So high pressure was very much involved in this setup. And last year, it was in a different position to this year, hence the reason why we inherited colder air. Yes, that's right. I mean, so we have had high pressure near to the UK for much of the month. So obviously that's blocked the normal um, rain-bearing frontal systems from the Atlantic, and we've had a lot of clear skies. But the air mass has continued to be fairly cold, you know, often with a sort of a northerly or easterly airflow. Um, So despite the sunshine, it's been quite cold. And of course, with clear skies, We've had some very widespread frosts at night. Let's talk about frost because it was a record-breaking frosty April. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's probably the most remarkable thing about April. So for the UK, on average across the UK, um, we've had more than 13 days of air frost for the month. Um, That compares to an average of just under five. So we've had something like two and a half times the number of frosts that we would expect on average. That's the largest number of frosts in April for at least the last six decades. It's probably going to be the um, coldest April in terms of minimum temperatures since 1922, although we need to wait for the final stats to confirm that. But essentially, it's not just how widespread and hard these frosts have been. We've just had a large number of them. Um, and certainly in northeast England and in northern Scotland, many places have had more than 20 days of air frosts for the month. Mike, it's not just about frost. We're also concerned about how dry it's been in April. Pretty much no rain at all. Yes, that's right. I mean, it's been a very dry month, of course, with high pressure uh, dominating. That's killed off what we might normally expect at this time of year, which is April showers. And across England and Wales, we've widely had less than a fifth of the normal rain we might expect from the 1st to the 27th of April. Um, We've had only one to five millimetres of rain quite widely across southeast England, uh, parts of eastern England and parts of eastern Scotland too. Mike Hendon, thank you very much. So how has this frosty and dry weather affected our growing season? Earlier, I caught up with Guy Barter, Chief Horticulturalist at the Royal Horticultural Society. Well, basically, it's um, put plant growth on hold. 
So the growth has been much slower. Plants are integrating mechanisms. So whenever the temperature is above about six degrees, they can do a little bit of growing. But basically, if it falls um, to freezing every night, they shut down and that slows growth. So at the moment, we're about two weeks behind where we would be in a normal season. Is there more hardy vegetation that you think would cope with this type of high frequency of frosts? Yes, there's two kinds of blossom when it comes to frosts. There's the blossom that really doesn't care about frosts and it wilts a bit and then it picks up during the day. So things like daffodils, for example, look pretty sick after a hard frost. Broad beans collapse. Same would be true for field beans on farms. But they pick up again. What they do is they move all the water into the areas outside the cell. So they wilt and the ice crystals don't cause damage. However, there's a, another form of blossom that is highly vulnerable to frost, and that's fruit blossom. Although trees like uh, peaches, apricots, plums, pears and cherries are bone hardy, the blossom is vulnerable. And if it gets frosted uh, when it comes into flower and afterwards when the young fruitlets form until they reach a certain stage, then they are highly vulnerable to frosts. One of the techniques that uh, commercial growers in particular can do is to keep frost off by two methods. One is by having heating devices that produce a column of warmth that keeps the uh, frost off fruit and vulnerable leaves. They're much used in very valuable crops like vineyards, or they can have a giant fan that stirs the air up so the cold air at ground level is mixed with warmer air from above. But the most fascinating one is the spraying of water on fruit on frosty nights. And what happens is as the water lands on the trees, it freezes and gives up its latent heat. And that's just enough to keep the trees free of frost damage. Have there been many impacts from the dry weather? We haven't seen any significant rain since around mid-March. Yes, um, things like lawns haven't grown, uh, which may be a good thing because it saved people the um, bother of having to cut them. Um, and uh, vegetable crops that we were hoping would be ready um, in May or perhaps early June are now going to be two weeks later. Uh, things like early peas and broad beans and salads are all going to be a bit later. So that has an unfortunate consequence. The other thing about the dry soil and the cold is that uh, sowing is very difficult. That's not such a big problem for gardeners because they can water the ground. But what can be difficult for a commercial growers, for farmers, is they don't always have irrigation facilities. So if they're wanting to establish field crops, then they can be in difficulty. RHS Chief Horticulturalist Guy Barter. According to DEFRA, 4% of UK food is grown in back gardens and allotments. Can our amateur producers expect any rain in the coming days? Here's Alex Deacon. It's good news for those back garden and allotment growers because there is some rain on the way. The bad news for many, though, is that that is going to arrive on bank holiday Monday. Before we get there, though, the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, will be a, a continuation of what we've seen. The chilly conditions persisting and then largely sunny skies through the morning, giving way to showers breaking out during the late morning into the afternoon. On Saturday, the showers will be pretty widespread, some heavy, thundery ones likely, but they're quite slow moving, so it's not one of those days where the weather's constantly chopping and changing. Some places will stay largely dry, whereas others will get slow moving showers, bringing quite a, a wet feel. It's gonna be a chilly feel wherever you are, temperatures 10 to maybe 13 or 14 Celsius. The coasts may stay largely dry, however, with showers most likely to develop inland. 
Sunday also starts chilly. And although it's a similar day, I don't think there'll be as many showers around on Sunday. So a better chance uh, of staying dry and perhaps seeing a little bit more sunshine. Again, after that cold start, temperature struggling somewhat by the afternoon, peaking at 10 to 14 degrees. So below average for early May. Then for Monday, we're looking at a big change. An Atlantic weather system sweeping in. Haven't seen one of these for a while and developing. So quite an intense area of low pressure. Some uncertainty about timing. So parts of the east may actually be dry for a good part of Monday. So keep up to date with the forecast if you've got plans on Monday. But broadly speaking, it's turning wet and windy, unusually windy for the time of year. And it's also looking more unsettled as we go through next week. Thanks, Alex. And you can stay up to date with the latest forecast for the bank holiday and beyond by visiting the Met Office YouTube channel, our Facebook page and Twitter channel, or by downloading the app. Just before we go, here's Martin Bowles with last week's highs and lows. Here are the weather extremes for last week, observed between Monday the 19th of April and Sunday the 25th of April. The highest temperature of the week was 20.8 degrees Celsius at Port Maddock in Gwynedd on Friday the 23rd. Sheltered parts of northwest Wales often get the warmest temperatures in a prolonged easterly wind such as we had for much of last week. With blocked high pressure remaining in charge of the weather, clear overnight skies and light winds led to some very low minimums. The lowest was minus 6.3 Celsius, recorded at Tullochbridge in Invernessshire on Wednesday and also at Kinbrace on Thursday. Many parts of the UK had unbroken sunshine for much of the week. The longest recorded daily sunshine was 13.9 hours at Tyree in the Inhebrides on Wednesday the 21st. The same figure was recorded at RAF Kinloss in Moray on Saturday. The only significant rainfall of the week was in the Scottish Islands. 10 millimetres of rain was measured at Stornoway Airport on the Isle of Lewis on Monday the 19th of April. Thanks Martin. That's it for Weathersnap. I'm Claire Nazir. Editor is Adrian Holloway. Weathersnap is a podcast by the UK Met Office.